Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, as always, my superb, wonderful co-host, Nicole Davis. How are you doing on this fine evening? Oh, aside from a few major technical issues, it's just fine. We're not frustrated at all, even though we're starting half an hour late. It's fine. It's okay. It comes with the territory of podcasting. (laughs) And of course, joining us as well, David Luzader. How are you? Oh, I am doing fine. I'm in a fight with my sourdough starter. All my fellow breadheads, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, God, please don't call the breadhead. Oh, no. I just came up with that right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we called ourselves. Oh, probably. <laughs> oh, God. Well, David, your bread does look incredibly good every time, though. Like, you're getting better oh. and better, and I can tell based on Facebook photos that it, it's improving. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, we're not here to talk about bread. We're here to talk about... Um, a movie. movie. Yeah, movie. Movie. Um, Our Netflix roulette pick. This movie. And this movie is The Gift. But before we talk about The Gift and we give you an in- introductory reading of this plot, if you can call it a plot, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, there, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. David, tell us <laughs> next week what we are going to be watching for future classics. This, of course, has to be a film that has come out in the last 10 years that you deem to be a future classic that is not Power Rangers. well in that case next week's future classic pick is the grand budapest hotel oh all right okay all right i was just thinking we should do this one okay just bought that on blu-ray so i know claire will be thrilled because it's one of her favorite movies yeah it's a wonderful movie it's a future classic All right, well, next week, David will make the case for the Grand Budapest Hotel and whether or not it is a future classic, the Wes Anderson film, of course. But now we're going to talk about 2015's The Gift. An affluent couple moves to a new city to make a fresh start, but discover that some aspects of the past won't stop intruding into the present. This uh, stars Jason Bateman and, uh, and who else is in this? Like three people. Rebecca Hall. Rebecca Hall. Rebecca uh, Hall plays Joel. Yeah, Joel Edgerton is the writer and director, as well as Gordo, the Gifter. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Gordo, the Gifter. So this and is plus like the- a bunch of people you would recognize from random TV shows, right. like Roy from The Office is in here, the police captain from Brooklyn Nine Nine, not not the black police captain, the woman police captain. Anyway, lots of people from TV shows. Yeah, Simon's sister is played by the woman in the league. From from the league, yeah. Yeah. And Legion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of people that are like, oh hey, it's that person. Right, <laughs> right. And and so for those unfamiliar, this is a movie that is critically quite lauded, surprisingly, like in the nineties of percentiles in Rotten Tomatoes. And it's mm-hmm. all about a man who moves back relatively within the area in which he grew up. And him and his wife very quickly find that there is a guy that he went to high school with named Gordon or Gordo uh, who remembers him quite well and strikes up a relationship with them and tries to bond with them and it gets creepier and creepier and it's really clear from very early on that Gordo has some ulterior motives and he most certainly does as we find out later in the movie and we'll kind of hold off to 
discuss the end of this movie because we're going to build. We're going to build forever, just like this movie does. <laughs> we are going to build for three hours. And this movie is not three hours, but it feels like it's four. It's, it's, it's an hour and 50 minutes. and that's, I don't it, think it felt that long. But oh, the my first, God. I mean, that, the first hour is kind of a slog to get through. Yes. It's really. Like, I watched this movie over the course of two days because I watched the first hour. And I'm like, I, I need a break. <laughs> I, need, I need some time away from this movie to go do something. Yeah. And then, like, fact, when I got back into it, you know, that last, the last 50 minutes or so, like, it, it picks up a little bit more. More stuff is happening. But, yeah, this movie is all about that tension. Yeah. One of my issues was the building tension of this movie. And I actually thought for a thriller... In my opinion, it was almost too slow for me. It was at a point where it was where I I was I was bored. But I was like, of course he's giving you more gifts. He's always giving you more gifts. Nothing is new in this movie until the last five minutes. At which point, like, yeah, the movie takes a hard right turn and veers into a pond. But um, Full yeah, of there's fish. yeah a, a pond of dead koi fish, right? Yes. Um, and I love how his like initial reaction is like, don't touch the water. Which I suppose is actually quite logical if you yes. have a bunch of dead fish. Um, and that's actually one thing Gordo gifts them is they buy a very fancy postmodern design home. And inside that home is an empty koi pond. And of course, being the good friend Gordo is after he befriends them and finds their address is breaking into their property so he can leave koi fish in their pond. And then like apparently kill them later. <laughs> All right, look, Rebecca, Rebecca Hall is way too trusting of this guy. Like, she, as her husband says, she's a door half open kind of gal, which I thought was really a terrible thing to say to his wife. All right, look, obviously this guy is deranged in some ways, but with, with the way that she regular, like, it's just like, yeah, it's fine that you keep dropping by and giving us stuff. And like, it's just, it made me so uncomfortable that I'm like, you need to be like hey um call (laughs) (laughs) boundaries boundaries are good yeah he has no boundaries in this movie whatsoever and what really bothered me was that there are things in this movie that are very heavily alluded to him and i think the two that come to mind to me both animal related is the koi that that he brought them just die and then their dog just goes missing for a couple days and and all of this is alluded by the characters to being his fault and like he did this to them to try to toy with they, them. they attribute it to gordon yes, yes although you can't prove any of it but you can't prove any of it and again that's like most of the movie except the fact that he actually like hands jason bateman a ton of evidence oh. at the end of the movie which i, I do want to talk what, about but um, when, okay when, when the do- when stuff was happening with the dog i was like if anything happens when they as soon as they introduced a dog to the story i'm like if, if anything yeah. happens to this dog i will not two weeks watch in a row movie. david would have cut off the movie if something happened to the dog Yeah, I would have been like bridge too far. I will read the Wikipedia entry and just pretend I know. So we can never watch (laughs) I Am Legend is what you're telling us. I Uh, mean, we already watched Clown. Oh, yeah, we did see a dead dog. Yeah, but that that dog, but that dog turned evil. Yeah, it (laughs) It was an evil dog. It wasn't like Daisy or Bojangles, both of which are fantastic names for dogs. Um, Oh, yeah. Jangles, (laughs) Mr. Bojangles. It's a a good dog name. That's a great dog name. Yes. But uh, so what becomes weird about this movie for me is that about halfway through the movie, and I do credit it with this, there are 
mixed motivations that you could interpret from Gordo. Uh, Jason Bateman's character, Simon, really believes that Gordo is just fascinated with his wife. Uh, in fact, he does tend to drop by more and more often when the wife is there, not when Simon is there, and tends to befriend her more strongly than he does Simon, even though he has known Simon for many years, or at least they knew each other in high school. And additionally, there's also the motive of Simon very clearly having some sort of issue with Simon. I mean, not Simon, I'm sorry, Gordo's character very clearly having an issue with Simon that's later divulged in a cryptic letter. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the the thing that I will give this movie, definitely, I'll, I'll give Joel Edgerton in terms of the writing is that it definitely played with my expectations. You know, I was constantly mm-hmm. trying to guess where this movie was going to go. You know, from the trailer, you think, okay, he's going to start out, you know, seeming harmless and then seeming more and more dangerous. And then it's going to be like a fatal showdown at the end where somebody ends up dead. And that's not how this goes. So like a little ways in, I'm like, Oh, you know, he actually kind of seems to be getting along with them. Things seem to be going all right. I wonder if this is going to go, you know, like somewhere really unexpected, like it's going to turn into a sex thing and then that's all going to go wrong. And then it'll be, you know, this fatal showdown at the end. And then it keeps going. It's like, I wonder if he's going to have an affair with the wife and then it's going to turn into a fatal showdown at the end. And then, it all has to turn into a fatal showdown at the end. Right. And then it's like, I wonder if it's going to turn out that Jason Bateman's character did this hideous, hideous, hideous thing to him when they were kids and it's going to turn into a fatal showdown in the end. And then <laughs> it turns out not to be such a hideous thing. It turns out to be really bad, but not as hideous as you suddenly think it's going to be and start feeling ill. Um, turns out to be not as bad, I mean, but it's still, it's then pretty, it's, it's something bad. worth holding a grudge over and you wonder if it's going to turn into a fatal showdown at the end. And then it takes this really hard right turn and you're like, Oh shit. Oh my God. Is that really what happened? And then you're left like in this limbo at the end. He sets up this wonderful unsurety. You know, he he sets up this thing for Jason Bateman's character where he's just, he's always going to wonder. And that's the hell that he leaves him in. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, that's good. I like that ending. That's, I like the ambiguity of it. I love no. that. Every- no fatal showdown. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Everything. Nicole's like, all right, when are they going to start shooting each other? Right. Or <laughs> like, when's, when is- when's he going to take out a, a kitchen knife or <laughs> this, is, this is, we what should have you. This is a, a, a Blumhouse film, yeah. which are movies that are often made on the cheap. I mean, the budget for this movie was $5 million. Uh, it made 59 million. So, mm-hmm you know definitely a success and that's kind of how blumhouse films work is they make these thrillers on the cheap there's a great planet money on blumhouse films actually people should check it out um where they throw money at movies like this and you know if they work out great you know if they if they make 50 million dollars on a five million budget that is a big return they made their money back if it's a five million budget and it makes two million dollars oh well you know, we're going to wait for the next, you know, 50 million movie. We're going to wait for the next get out to happen. 
And a lot of Blumhouse productions are these kind of thrillers, and a number of them do have the uh, the, the the bloody showdown at the end. Right. So I yeah. could I, I could see how. Well, oh wow! I guess this Blumhouse also produced Split. I did not realize that. Yeah, uh, yeah. They made big money off of that one. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, they've made they've made so much money on films that you have heard of and you don't realize are Blumhouse films. Um. I it's funny that the whole like fatal showdown thing is what I kept expecting out of Gran Torino last week. We're like, all right, now we're going to go watch old dirty Harry just <laughs> totally blast all these guys away. Nope. Never happened. And uh, I think probably the success of this movie, the, the, or one of the reasons that it, be, it became a success is because it does manage to flip those expectations a little bit. You expect it to be, Robin in the house at the end on her own with a kitchen knife waiting to stab at uh, Gordo, you know, from the closet. And she ends up stabbing Jason Bateman because, you know, expectations. Uh, But instead, as you said, like it's left with this kind of like, oh, shit, what happened? (laughs) Right, right. And let's talk a little bit about the the reason that Gordo is so uh, set out to cause misery and sadness in Simon's life. Uh, this is something that David put in our docket by saying is what Jason Bateman's character did actually like worth what Gordo just put him through. And we're going to go yes. into that in a minute. You, th- <laughs> you think? Sorry, I jumped ahead. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Really? <laughs> okay all right so here's so jason bateman's character in high school and let's you know be clear jason bateman's character is a dick uh um, yes. yeah and his friend as roy from the office describes he was a bully with a mean streak in high school and he started this rumor that gordo was molested by another kid um that's I guess that's kind of it and like the shame of that and you know teenagers being the horrible monsters it was, it was, he, he was molested by another guy it was by, it by was, another guy yeah, yeah. it's must by another like an, an older high schooler I guess uh, and teenagers being horrible you know basically bullied him and ridiculed him to the point where he had to leave the school and all these years later, you know, he is now devising crazy elaborate plans to ruin Jason Bateman's life. And there's also another part of that worth noting, which is that it's alluded that this reputation of being gay as a result of this was something that Gordo's father did not take kindly to and, and really knocked we his blame son Jason, about. Can we blame Jason Bateman for that, though? Yes. Yes. Okay, you can. For the way that his father reacted Yes. Okay, how? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, not directly, I grant you. But the thing that, I mean, the thing that this movie is pointing out is that bullies are only concerned with getting their rocks off on making somebody else upset and scoring points in their own minds that way. And they don't think about the deeper consequences they don't think about what happens next they don't think about what happens in that kid's house they don't think about what that kid's going to carry forward in life the bullies get to forget and the bullied get to carry it with them for the rest of their days 
And so, yeah, what he did, even though he didn't realize that's what he was doing and he didn't deliberately choose, you know, okay, I'm going to start this rumor so that every other kid in the school will drive him out and his father will think he's gay and kick him out of the house and that, you know, he's not thinking He's doing it so that he can accomplish X, Y, and Z. He's just thinking about scoring his points and feeling good about himself for a couple days. But he is still responsible for what happens next. That is so hard for me because that takes agency away from the dad. That is like, hey, man, it's okay that you beat up your son and are an extreme homophobe because someone started a rumor. No, that's that's not okay. I will... Of course, yes, the dad has agency also, but he is. I'm, and he, I'm, not, I'm not trying to excuse at all what Jason Bateman's character did, which I love that this is a movie where it's enough famous people in it that we are just going to refer to them <laughs> ever by the characters. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to excuse at all. Obviously, like, obviously, he was a dick in high school, continued to then be a dick all through life apparently but i mean i don't know to say like <sighs> jason bateman's character is a sociopath oh, no, though. Yeah, he's not just a dick he's a, he is a sociopath and obviously like he should have had a level of comeuppance what i felt was more appropriate than that was like losing this amazing job because of you know he screwed someone else over like that's like the more realistic you know, thing that we want to happen. I think I think a benefit also to this film, I have to say, is that you don't really ever root for Gordo. Mm-hmm. I kind of did. After okay, I'll hop point. in here real quick because <laughs> I'm going to rip off the Band-Aid here for the audience that have okay. not seen the movie. And essentially what happens toward the very end of the movie is his wife is pregnant because there's a long period of time in which they don't see Gordo. And Jason earlier, Bateman's character's wife is pregnant. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And earlier so, in the movie, Simon. his wife uh, drinks something like Gatorade and very mm-hmm. clearly is affected by it and faints. And she thinks it's because she's highly stressed and he thinks it's because she's abusing pills. And what we find out at the end of the film is that Gordo was filming her from the bushes and had drugged her drink, took her inside uh, dragged her body over to the bed, um, undressed it a little bit, and made really you know lewd notions at the body, and then cut the camera and sent this video at the end of the movie to Jason Bateman, <laughs> the person Jason Bateman, not the character. Yeah, his character's um, name is Simon. So, the, so what is alluded to at the end of this movie and the torture, the ever you know the ever enduring torture that Simon is going to have to go through is. Did Gordo rape my wife while she was unconscious? And is this kid his? And there's a moment at the end of the movie where Gordo tells him on the phone, it's all in the eyes. He's like, maybe I did it. Maybe I didn't. And Jason Bateman runs and goes to check the child's eyes, which is dumb because the mother has brown eyes and so does Gordo. So if (laughs) if the kid had brown eyes, it could still be his kid. I digress. Um, And she goes to check it and she is so done with his bullshit that she closes the curtain on him and he can't see his newborn son and here's my my thing like there's terrible people in high school don't get me wrong and i have two things about this first is he told everyone he got molested by an older boy 
wouldn't that like not necessarily allude to him being gay because molest is not consensual uh, uh, teenagers man teenagers yeah. are um are horrible <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. i mean it, it wasn't like he was found having sex with another boy that it was doesn't that matter doesn't I matter I, I know kids are assholes but then the second one i the second thing i have is like as much of an asshole as you are in high school should someone fake or actually rape your future wife over it i that's if you believe that he actually went through with it which i don't by the way then then it's it's far too much it's overkill because you're punishing the wife for the sins of her husband very heavily implied but i do believe he still drugged her yes he then invaded her house and touched her like regardless of whether or not he raped her he still sexually assaulted her i don't oh, i didn't look like he was making contact with her oh he was, he was like, to me it looked like her. he was holding his hands like a, just above her it looked i it felt like cloth was moving and like, okay. he did drag her right like he he did touch her yeah. body like no he, he dragged her. her to the bed yeah, yeah. so and, again either like he is using Simon's wife as a pawn in his yes. revenge. So yes. whatever your revenge against Simon is, it immediately it goes way too far when you start involving this other person who had nothing to do with what he did. Another person who, by the say, way, has been nothing but kind to you. Um, yeah, <laughs> like she is always giving Gordo the benefit Gordo of the doubt. Did. Look, Simon ruined his life absolutely, but. As soon as you start involving the wife, I, I I don't care. Like that's that's a that is a a bridge too far for whatever your revenge is. That okay, is. yeah, I see that. My sure. my opinion, and I mentioned this in Slack earlier today, is that one thing that Gordo says to him at the end of the movie is that isn't it? You know, he repeats something earlier in the film, something about how isn't it? You know, crazy how these things stay with you, or something to that effect. Right. Um, liars, liars never know who to trust sort of thing. Yeah. And there's like one, but, but one of them in particular was like, you know, little things can stay with you and that sort of thing. Um, and you never know who to trust. And, it, and the whole concept of Gordo's strife uh, with his, with in, within his school, within his household was based around a lie. And it's very clear that Gordo at the end of the movie, it's not like a, revenge scheme of like i want to do something bad to you as long as you're in pain it is very calculated specifically to make jason bateman feel exactly like how he felt and be in a very similar position and i think that's why his character likely did not rape her because uh his a his character didn't show violent tendencies throughout the movie but also b and i think more importantly um the original sin of the movie was also based on a lie, right? And he wanted to do the same exact thing to Jason Bateman. So in my opinion, I don't think he did it, but I, I could be wrong. Anyone I don't could think wrong. so either. He seems I think to he like just lie, wants, frankly. He, he wants Jason Bateman's character to wonder, and Jason Bateman's character is so manipulative that he's he's ready to believe that somebody would do that just to get back at him. Is the wife better off for having her marriage destroyed in the process of this? Oh God. Yes. Rather than be married to a sociopath. Yes, yeah, I think absolutely. So. I, I do. I actually think like if, if she wasn't raped, 
like it's bad that she even if she if she wasn't it's it's still horrible that the way she was manipulated and the way she was used yes yes yeah i feel she is she is the victim of this movie she is but she is better off without jason bateman's character in her life well, he's a highly manipulative character because there are so many times in the movie where he's just socio. He's a complete sociopath in the sense he just he's constantly lying to her, and and yeah. she's the kind of character where they they allude several times in the movie that they're going away to start a new life, right, in California yeah. from Chicago, and he's always on her case about like, you need to stay on the straight and narrow, honey. I don't care if you start a business as long as you like only do the business. Like he's like so controlling of her that I almost Uh, am inclined to believe she didn't even have a drug issue. I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that the reason they moved is that when they were living in Chicago, they lost a baby. Yeah. And, so and they couldn't, you know, the the wife at least couldn't take living with the memory of that where they were and needed to to make a change. And th- the way he's going on about the the possibility of her taking pills makes me wonder if she took something while she was pregnant or her health had been a little unbalanced because of the pills she had taken just before she got pregnant before or what have you. And that's why they lost the baby. But, you know, he's just very, he's playing the part of the concerned husband, just making sure he just wants her to be healthy. And that's why he doesn't want her to go back to work is that she can, she can focus on being healthy and resting. You, you get, you get that these people have a strained marriage at the beginning of the film. Certainly. Yeah. And you she know, obviously losing. has ambitions that he is inhibiting her from fulfilling. Like, she's but very also, but also, I mean, you kind of get that when she was pursuing, I don't know. I never got, I, I didn't fully get that. She felt inhibited. I felt that she, had kind of maybe hit a breaking point between losing a baby and having all this stress. Like they don't really go into full details, but it apparently, you know, she might've had an episode or something like she's trying to rebuild her life. They both are at this point. And like, that's not, I mean, there's a chance that even without Gordo showing up, their marriage would have ended because they had gone through something so traumatic and maybe like, Maybe this new start wasn't going to be enough for them. Perhaps. I mean, and there's there's also an aura in this movie of Bateman's character being the um the soulless like man in a suit, right? Like like he goes to like some marketing agency job question mark i don't know yeah his job is pretty ambiguous and they're all terrible right they're all they're all the generic terrible human being men in suit characters and there's a point in this movie that i find perplexing where jason bateman's character is uh told that he is competing for a big job with a guy named danny poor poor danny at a different firm um and like what like he just does something to this guy he like fabricates evidence that this guy did something and the guy loses his job and danny goes insane perhaps rightfully so and i'm just imagining like sure jason bateman's character is a sociopath but how does he have the tools to execute something like that 
it, I think it was, you know, from the files that Robin is his wife finds in his desk. It, it seems clear to me that he hired a private investigator mm-hmm. to try to dig up some dirt on him. I mean, and then, you know, you don't you don't have to be like, look at this evidence of this thing he did. You just have to make the right phone calls to the right people and make it seem like he did something. You know, just so, enough to yeah. kind of ruin that reputation to get them to back off of him. I don't think he was like, look, guys, he committed murder and here's the gun. <laughs> something of like, hey, you know, I heard he did insider trading and like the feds are sniffing him. Right. You know, no, they, that is fair because ambiguous about it. in fact, as soon as as soon as Danny shows up, because there's a moment when he does get the promotion, they're all in the house, they're celebrating, his coworkers are over, they're all being snobbish, and a rock goes through their window, and Danny's running all over the place like a man with his chicken head cut off, and he tackles Danny, doesn't know who this guy is, because he's clearly never even seen Danny in person, and Danny says to him, you fabricated evidence that caused me to lose my job and lose my promotion, and uh, literally like hours later, as his wife is having a baby... His company calls him and says, yeah, we found out you did fabricate this. You're gone. So obviously it was simple enough where they could check on it, right? Like it was simple enough fabricated evidence where they could, once they were alerted to it potentially being fabricated, they could track it down within a couple hours. So it couldn't have been that like spy, secret spy, here's the gun. like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that's one thing of this movie that kind of doesn't hold up upon reflection is there's some stuff that is just so vague that it works fine while you're in the movie. It's like, what does Simon do? A uh, corporate job. <laughs> what evidence does he fabricate against Danny? Bad evidence. <laughs> it's not like a movie that like I'm going to be thinking about, you know, three months from now and be like, it was such a well-constructed plot. No, yeah, but I mean, it's it's another the fact that he doesn't recognize Danny is just another. It's another character revealing moment for him is that because we we do meet Danny at the beginning of the movie. He gets introduced to him at the party right after they arrive. Oh, does he really? Yeah, he does. Oh Danny is at, the, is at that party. So and he doesn't recognize him because it's not important to him to right. remember it. And he's not a person to Simon. Right. Right. Yeah. Because so, Simon is like the ultimate like white entitlement character. <laughs> so or white 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 wealthy entitlement. It, it kind of is like a character. it's a reverse kind of of his um Jason Bateman's character in Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which makes it made it a little hard at first. I've seen Jason Bateman play. I've I saw him. this little movie called Bad Words where he played this. He has played some weird roles, slightly despicable character. But this is the first time I've ever seen him play someone. He he starts out seeming kind of sympathetic and then as you learn more and more about him it's like oh this guy is oh this is a bad person oh he's awful person oh he's an evil person you know by yeah. the end of the movie yeah it's like maybe it'd be okay if joel edgerton killed him at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah michael bluth takes a hard right turn in this movie i was kind of rooting for you know something horrible to happen to him and for you know gordo and robin to run off into the sunset together with the baby so 
But see, I don't want her to run off with Gordo because he's got other baggage, clearly, if he's willing oh, no, to no. do Gordo this to somebody. Also, Gordo's also a psychopath. Yeah. I, mm. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, maybe psychopath's too broad of a term, but that guy's not exactly. He broke into a man's house and faked a rape in a monkey costume. This man is crazy. Yeah, Yeah, the boy ain't right, but the boy, the boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the subtitle for this episode. The boy ain't right. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, it is. It is a. It is a tonal shift from the type of roles that your most people are familiar seeing Bateman in. Um, Speaking of which, May 29th, I will have already binged all of it by the time this show comes out. Arrested Development season five. Uh, I got. I got to watch the remix before. Except it's only half the season now. Man, we're only going to get half the Bateman. (laughs) And they're also like having to answer lots of HR questions with the public about why Jeffrey Tambor is there. Because I think they filmed most of it. They filmed it before Amazon fired him. Yeah. So that's the problem. Um, But anyway, to go back on track, uh, Nicole (laughs) says this is possibly the most horrifying movie we've ever watched so far. That includes the Midnight Meat Train. Mm. (laughs) Ah, the gem of the Midnight Meat Train. Midnight Meat Train. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's, you know, you're going along in this movie and you're like, oh, okay, so this guy is starting to stalk them and he's leaving them weird gifts and now the fish are dead and now the dog is gone. And so, you you know, it's it's slowly getting bad and you're starting to dread what's going to happen next. And then you find out that, you know, Simon did something to Gordo and you're not sure what you're and so your allegiance kind of starts to shift and you're like oh I wonder if there's a good reason for what this guy is doing and then and so it's just and it's slowly getting you know as it becomes clearer that Bateman's character did something awful as a kid you know as a as a high schooler to this guy who seems really mild mannered and seems like he's trying to be nice and trying to make friends and is clearly like alone in his life. It's, it's clear. He's like got no friends, no wife, what have you. It's I'm starting. Oh my God, this movie is horrible. You know, I was writing in our Slack chat. This movie is horrible. This is horrible. The, the, the moment, See, it's so funny. I had such a different reaction to the Gordo character because the moment he left them alone in that house, I was like, they're being recorded. Yeah, of course. Oh, well, yeah, that I was sure of. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I, just, I had this whole feeling of him where I'm like, okay, you know, obviously the boy ain't right as we've established. <laughs> right. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's It almost got to a point of like, they almost deserve one another by the end of the levels they've gone through. <laughs> to ruin each other's lives. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Leave the two of them together and let the wife go off with the baby somewhere else by herself. Let that poor Rebecca Hall. She's been through enough. She's been through enough in so much. She killed herself in the prestige. (laughs) Uh, Spoilers. For like a (laughs) movie. It's like 15 years old. Ah, well, Hey, (laughs) Yeah, no, I just I got a big old crush on Rebecca Hall. I'm just gonna yeah, say. she doesn't she doesn't fare well in Iron Man three either, does she? I don't. I can't remember if she dies or not. No, she no. does. She gets shot. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then I haven't finished the Awakening yet. I started watching that. On uh, spoilers: It probably does not go well for her. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, as it's going on and I, you find out what he did and I'm like, I think there is no way I don't, it's it. All right. Let me back up. Okay, so <laughs> this is crime, crime, crime thrillers, dramatic thrillers. These, this is not my favorite genre of movie to start mm-hmm. with. And when it's, when I find out that this is a movie about horrible people being horrible, you know, 99% of the time, if I'm watching this movie on my own, I'm checking out and I'm going to go watch, you know, episodes of The Office for a while instead. Um, but, you know, there's there's that. I don't like the genre. And I was bullied in middle school, like not physically bullied but emotionally bullied because that's what girls do and because you can destroy them for longer that way um so yeah so like very badly it was it was psychologically upsetting and it's still psychologically upsetting to me yeah no no i i have a friend in middle school that i was very close with who was this like really kind of bright happy guy in middle school who got picked on relentlessly sometimes physically a lot of times in you know more emotional mental ways and when i reconnected with him kind of towards the end of high school he was just this much more reserved closed off person who you know was kind of like he had turned kind of into like a little bit of like a gothy metalhead sort of kid that like i'm not trying to say those people you know like people who are goths and metalheads are like these bullied and like they're just conflicted people but it's like he obviously like had found sort of some comfort in being or not comfort he had found himself sort of a little bit marginalized and more on the outside and like he was a totally different person then that than he was like in middle school because of the ways that people kind of had bullied him. Right. So I was just, uh, it's not, yeah, I was not a happy camper watching this. So I'm just, <laughs> just as the slack jets going, I'm like, this is horrible. This movie is horrible. So I found this movie horrifying. And, and then you find out, you know, the, you know, Jason Bateman puts in the, the DVD he gets sent at the end and you see okay. the recording of that Gordo drugged his wife and then b- might have done something to her, might actually be mask. the father of the baby. In a creepy monkey mask. Like, In a creepy monkey yeah. mask. I don't know what the hell that's about. He's trying to conceal his identity, <laughs> even though it's very obviously him. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be obvious to Jason Bateman's character, but it won't be obvious to the police who it is, so he right. can't turn that in. So that's, well, that's one thing. So, well, he can that's still evidence that somebody did something right but so yeah a question i put this back is like what happens next unless right. gordo i mean if gordo wiped everything you know his like he sent gifts that his fingerprints could be on um there's a chance mm-hmm. they write that off sure i think th- i would think there's still enough evidence for gordo to i mean maybe not for a conviction but to be a suspect well, I'm sure you yeah. get. Do you get DNA type the baby? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing. That's all you have to do. I mean, that, I think that's a plot thing that he c- might have overlooked a little bit <laughs> in trying well, to make I guess it the ambiguous. Problem is, is like unless the wife was to see this footage, uh, she would never do that. 
she wants him out of her life, right? And if he starts showing up saying DNA the baby, she's just right. going to push and even she's further. Right? Enough that he's that he is a liar. That like, why would she believe him? Right. right. Right, but he's not. It's I wouldn't put it past his character to do that. No, no, so. probably not. But but in response to your question, I think it might be for which me. one. Uh, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> what happens next? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm 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 oh. going back briefly to is it the most horrifying movie we've ever watched? Because oh, yeah, for me ahead. personally, uh, I'm so desensitized to people being smacked with meat pallets and hammers and things. Cut through well, yeah, that's legs a cartoon and stuff. level of violence. Like it was almost cartoon. Yeah, it was cartoony, and I'm crazy desensitized, right? So like nothing is emotionally attaching <laughs> to me. Next week, martyrs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Next week, cannibal holocaust. No, oh no, um, oh no. Uh, so right, but like I'm so emotionally detached to things like the Midnight Meat Train, and frankly, just any gore horror in general, which is why it doesn't scare me or bother me. But what does bother me? is a movie like this. I walked away from this movie very frustrated. And I that is 100% the point. Um, and I appreciate that from it. And I think it was disturbing to me to watch. Like, And I don't get that a lot anymore. I'm at a point of millennial desensitization <laughs> where there are very few things disturbing to me, right? Like, I've been on the internet. I've seen ISIS. There are very <laughs> few things disturbing to me at this point, and the ending yeah. of this movie bothered me. So Look, I, I, I've, I've been around the internet at the prime time of Goatsey and, and Tub Girl and Lemon Party. I've seen oh, things God. that I don't, I don't want to talk about. Uh, things ever. you can't unsee. Yeah. Oh God. And PennIsland.com, the oh, good old 2003. <laughs> Not enough therapy in the world to deal with that. But <laughs> I, we mentioned the movie, I think, last week, The Invitation, which The Invitation is, I think, builds tension a little bit better than this movie. Okay, don't. Do, I haven't seen that yet. Don't spoil it. I got it on my I, list. Right. I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, if you don't like psychological thrillers, it might not be. <laughs> it might not be for me. <laughs> it's It's really good, though. But that is a movie that, like, does kind of leave you a little bit shaken because it is so much about, like, personal tragedy and like mm. yeah what's real what isn't um as far as like your inner you know interactions with people like who do you believe how does trauma change you it's like this stuff that like you know yeah i'll watch a guy get beat with a meat mallet all day long and be like oh well, that's so ridiculous look at the way his eyes fly out hey right. <laughs> but, then, but then when it's like hey what does loss do to you as a human being? I'm like, nope. Okay, nope. Too real. Nope, I'm nope, 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 yeah, nope. Yeah. And in fact, I would I would actually argue the ending of the invitation, which I will not spoil. Don't worry. Um, okay. Has continued to sit with me, right? Like, oh, yeah. like the ending of that movie has continued to like kind of bother me, um, and cause me to think about the world that the invitation takes place within. Um, yeah. And uh, and I when think, they take off their masks and reveal they're all lizard people. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that's the, the, the hallmark of a particularly good psychological thriller. Um, and I think this has that toward the end of the movie, which is why it's so beloved. And also, like, another thing I want to throw out is, is this movie PG-13? I don't think so. I think it's it R for language. I think it was R when I... Because Netflix now tells you the rating. Oh, okay. You... Because I was going to say that this is the perfect kind of um, 
I was looking here. This is the perfect kind of movie for uh, high schoolers. In the sense that, like, this is the movie you take the girl to in the theater because it's like Insidious in the sense that, like, it's PG-13. There's nothing really gory, so no, you can go. No, see, but there's no... No, there's no, no you, you need something with jump scares to take the girl to. I guess then so. Perhaps. Like, maybe... maybe it, I, I, I don't know, but I'm just thinking no. of, like, this is a young audience I think would love this. No, you don't You don't take your date to this movie no. if this is someone that you're trying to get to Not trust you, know the you and be part of your life. <laughs> Not if you know the this ending. This is a movie that makes not. you think everybody could be evil i better not trust anyone whatsoever yeah no no granted if you know the ending of this movie not a great date night um yeah. <laughs> but i do think there's like a place for um and it actually like like seemingly oh it is our it is our okay but yeah. i i do believe there is a place for movies no google assistant it's not i'm not talking to you okay um <laughs> I think there's a place for thrillers in particular that a lot of them are PG-13 and a lot of them are not heavy on gore where a lot of younger viewers go to them. And by younger, I mean like 17, 18, 16, um, because it's like the edgy movie you can get into. And that's kind of what I felt like with this movie. I really don't know if there's anything in this movie that warrants it being R, quite honestly. Ah, uh, language. Language. I, is that really an R thing anymore? Like, turn on the TV at 9.30. It like, is, uh, the, the F word used in a sexual context is considered, considered yeah. R rating. Uh, you can yeah, but, use it once as an expletive somewhere else for PG-13, but you can't use it in in terms of its actual verb form. Oh, give it give it 10 years. <laughs> give it 10 years. We're all going to get desensitized and that'll change. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just crazy desensitized, but I didn't find anything in this movie um, like something that would be traumatizing to me as when I was 17. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean the MPAA is a is a sham entirely. Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah, and it's I it's think, self-regulation. Yeah, we don't usually do documentaries, but I would love to someday maybe do uh, this film is not yet rated. That was on Netflix for a long time, but I don't think it's there anymore. Yeah, I've I've seen that, and it will make you so angry at the MPAA. <laughs> yeah, it that it did make me upset because anytime <laughs> that sex is shown in a manner in which people are enjoying it, oh no, NC. Oh no, it's porn. <laughs> <laughs> people like sex. No. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you're gonna, you know, murder people slowly and like torture them, that's okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Implications of implications of rape? No, nah, that's fine. That's nah, fine. But act- enjoying sexual acts? No. 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 <laughs> so. <laughs> what about the children? Think of the children. Well, right. Somebody, please think of the children. <laughs> I, I I love this conversation, and I want to. Uh, parlay this toward the end of our discussion of is there anything else that you guys would like to talk about in regard to the gift before we wrap up uh, i don't know just you know could, is this joel edgerton's first i believe it is his movie it is. That yeah. he debut yeah wrote and this or is, directed this is his quiet place an edgy so this is like his third movie <laughs> i think as i think this was his first movie that he directed. uh yeah he directed a couple of shorts and then yeah. the gift but let's see writer he's got more credits here oh goodness he's written a lot more stuff 
Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna um, throw out. I'm gonna throw out a hot take about this guy really quick. Um, that movie that everyone loves that he's in is hot garbage. It comes in which night. movie that everyone loves? Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Is he in that? <laughs> that yeah, that's... he's Uncle Owen. Oh my god! No, I'm talking no, about I... it comes at night. It comes uh, at night. I saw that. It was that hot was... garbage. <laughs> Write me mm. at <laughs> Twitter, Rivers Rubin. It was hot garbage, and everyone told me to see that movie, and this guy did not impress me in the slightest, nor did that movie. But this movie, it did. was not what it was marketed to be. No, no, not uh, at all. Uh, it's very it, slow. It's a character piece. It's it's it wasn't a just, good it's to make you either. think about some horrible world scenario. But he did. He was excellent. I mean, absolutely excellent in loving he got a buttload of nominations for that movie yeah which was fantastic absolutely and i mean i'm not i have not been a big fan of his because he is like it's like his face is a blank screen to me (laughs) he's so stoic he he is the preloaded character in an rpg (laughs) yes like you boot up skyrim and there's joel edgerton's face yeah yeah so he there he's that guy he's like background guy kind of thing where you don't remember what he looks like that's but i mean you know loving changed my mind i was just like oh look he's acting (laughs) i feel like the the tribute to what david just said is the fact that like three-fourths of this movie i thought he was the guy from avatar Oh, Sam, oh God, Sam Worthington. I thought he was yeah, Sam yeah, Worthington for a short weird. time. No, so, he's uh, worse because when Sam Worthington is not being bland, he's actively bad. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, he's a uh, he's he's so stoic to uh, to a really nauseating degree for me when I watch him act. I, nauseatingly I, stoic. That's nauseatingly a new one. Nauseatingly stoic for me in the <laughs> in, like in that movie um it comes at night. And uh in this movie he's I think it's it's it makes more sense for me because that is the character and he plays it very well. Like he plays a great sociopath. I will certainly give him that. Um it's not easy to really pull that off and he does. Yeah. Um, Maybe you should try to take a swing into villainy. Uh, he was, I mean, he, I guess it's not villainy. He was in that movie Red Sparrow, which I also heard was Bad. not good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was the J-Law thing, right? Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm never going to be able to look at Uncle Owen the same way again after this whole monkey costume thing, because that really <laughs> is just not what Uncle Owen's all about. He's a wholesome man. Um, but <laughs> he's trying to farm some moisture. He's trying to farm some moisture and free and marry some slaves and uh, be what? a wholesome paralegic. See, this is this is our age gap showing. I have a totally different Uncle Owen than you do. So. No, like I'm talking about the Star Wars Uncle Owen. Yes, so right. am I. No, no, no. She's talking That's about the original trilogy moisture. Uncle Owen. And yes, talking, I know, but I'm talking about the the Star Wars 1977 Uncle Owen. Yeah. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying because we're talking about Joel Edgerton. Yes. Let us us take a moment to highlight the fact that he was also in Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Galoo. I like that movie. 
And on that uh, note, we it's have not liter- good, but I like it. And we on that note, we have literally nothing else to talk about. Um, so we <laughs> swung into the aisles of cool. You know, there's nothing left to say. There's nothing left. So yeah, this is on Netflix, as is the nature of this of this segment. So if you do want to check it out, it is there. Uh, if you're a thriller fan, I think this is something you're going to enjoy. Uh, if you hate thrillers, like maybe Nicole does, maybe take a pass. I don't know. What do you guys think? Or if they're not it's your forte, just not for me, right? Uh, I think if you are a thriller, yeah, a, a horror thriller fan, I guess I have a time saying horror for this movie, but if you are, yeah, a thriller fan, I think this movie would actually be right up your alley. Um, I think it's a little bit slow in some of the beginning parts, but it ramps up to a pretty mm, satisfying for the genre ending. I I think I I would recommend it to people who haven't, who like thrillers who haven't listened to this podcast where we gave yes. away all the plot twists. <laughs> right. If you've um, gotten this far and you have not watched Because it yet, you've uh, listened to this whole show and this movie has now been ruined, just go watch The Invitation. It's better anyway. Um, uh, the Invitation is so good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so there you go. Ooh, go watch The Invitation now. That will do it for our discussion there you go. Of, uh, <laughs> of The Gift. Uh, where can we find everybody online? David, where are you? I can be found, you know, uh, this week on podcasts, I'm taking a break from promoting my own stuff. Follow my dog on Instagram, Topanga the Untamable, all one word. Yay! Enjoy I, her posts. I love it. I love it. All right. And Nicole, what about you? Uh, I am your word whiz on Twitter. It's Y-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-W-H-I-Z. I am Nicole underscore Davis on Letterboxd, which I just joined recently. And I run our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast. Right on. You can find me on Twitter at Rivers Rubin. You can email the show, moviegoround at tiltingwindmailstudios.com. We'd love to hear from you on movies that we've watched. In fact, if you write in, we will post it up on uh, Facebook or Twitter or talk about it here on the show if it's something that we can all talk about as a community and help foster that community. You can do it on iTunes and Stitcher by leaving a review of what you think of the program to help bring more and more people to the program. We really appreciate that. And next week, we will be back doing a future classic with the Grand Budapest Hotel. 